Hello, and welcome to the One Big Podcast. It is me, once again, your host, fellow worker Jason, and I'm here, as always, with fellow worker Derek. Say hello, Derek. Hey, everybody. So today on the show, there, if you haven't noticed, we are near the... We're recording this near the tail end of Striketober, as the people are calling it, and uh, several big strikes are happening right now. The, uh, well, uh, what is it, the Iowatsi or whatever, they almost went on strike. Almost went on strike, not quite. John Deere workers or UAW workers are on strike. Kellogg workers are on strike. The Met coal miners have been on strike since April. There's a lot of big strikes going on. None of those are IWW strikes, unfortunately, so I was wondering... Maybe we could talk about why should we support other union strikes, and then how can we support other union strikes? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good question, right? Um, you know, you see, you see like this phrase often. A lot of like union leaders will sign things like this, like solidarity in their emails, like solidarity, union leader name here, right? And yeah. and and you hear it like solidarity is one of these buzzwords that you hear all over um, the quote unquote labor movement. And I think the, 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 the question you're asking, Jason, in some ways really sort of highlights a question that I started to ask when I saw these as signature lines years ago, which is like, what the hell is solidarity exactly? <laughs> like, is it a signature line? Like, what are we doing that is real solidarity? As far as I'm concerned, like, it just means standing up for each other. Pretty basic idea. You know, I'm in it with you. You're in it with me. Let's you know take them on power in numbers. Yeah, uh, but I think I think it goes um, maybe even one step deeper than that as well. I think that solidarity is is yes, you have my back and I've got your back. Uh, but the other side of that is also I have a relationship with you, right? Like I I I know you. And while there are definitely people, and maybe you're one of those folks, Jason, who's like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna show up and make sure that I'm at your back and I'm ready to defend you. Um, and you're hopefully going to defend me as well, right? Like there are, there are a lot of people, and this is Solidarity 101 um, in your own workplace. You know, the IWW is is a solidarity union. Uh, we organize with, with, within like solidarity structures in our workplace, and they're all relationship based. And if we don't have those relationships, a lot of people aren't going to show up to help to help a person they don't know and have never had a relationship with before. So showing up to support people at picket lines, other unions that are on strike isn't, isn't just an act of I've got your back and you've got mine because the reality is, is that if I walk out of my workplace, Kellogg strikers in battle Creek probably aren't going to come out and walk an informational picket line or a picket line that I've built at, at whatever workplace that I'm at. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but, but the odds are is there's a decent chance most of them won't. And so what we, what I would hope to accomplish by showing up to a picket line isn't just showing I've got your back, like I'm here to support you, but also let's have some conversations. Let's talk to people. What are you doing here? Like, why are you on strike? What, what brought you to this point? What are you hoping to gain? What are the problems that you have? Has your contract addressed those issues? The sort of classic agitation, agitate, educate, organize angle, right? Maybe we'll get a couple of red cards out of the process. That's not what that's not what I'd go for. But but you know, having those folks, talking to those folks and educating folks and and listening to what their issues are um, is definitely a way to sort of build those relationships and get to know people a little bit better. Which is bad news for people like me who are bad at personal relationships. Mm-hmm. That's why we'll just <laughs> that's why we'll just give you like a broken. 
like a broken bottle, a broken glass bottle, and and put you at the back of a fellow worker. That's yeah. that, that that that's good enough in many cases. Uh, I'm I'm the body that needs to show up. So with other unions, though, so, so you know a lot of not in IWW. Some of them probably don't even know who the IWW are are on strike. When you show up, should you be like, "Hey, I'm here from the IWW"? I. I, I think so. Yes, you know we 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 should be we should be we should be proud of who we are as as WAB. Some of us have membership in trade unions. Some of us, the IWW is our is our only union. But either way, we are here because we believe in solidarity with fellow workers. You're never going to abolish the wage system if you don't have people at your back. If you don't show people that you're willing to show up for their struggles and that and hopefully they'll come out and show up for yours. That kind of taps into what I hope the IWW can, can become in that like you hear a lot of talk about general strikes and like uh you know especially on like you know the internet but there's no organization around it you know like there's supposed to be a big general strike on the 15th but nothing really happened because you know there's not the organizational power behind it you know they didn't do any of the groundwork to do that kind of thing it's a, you know one thing to say it and one another thing to be like oh yeah I'm not gonna be able to eat if I don't go to work um and I hope the IWW can be kind of like live up to the solidarity name and just like bring workers together, whether or not they're in the IWW, and start coordinating between unions a, something like of a mass general strike. You know, like it'd be great if like we were showing up at Kellogg strikes or John Deere strikes and just being like, hey, we're the IWW. We like what you're doing here. We're here to free you in this issue. Hopefully you'll we'll get some contacts out of it. And start reaching out to them and be like, hey, we're trying to organize something even bigger for all workers, not just John Deere workers. And we can start bringing people on like that. So I don't want to discourage a general strike. You know, like a lot of people like to make fun of people on the Internet and be like, oh, you didn't do the work. It's like that's not that's not getting us anywhere. You got the right idea. Let us show you how to do it. There were a lot of comments on the Internet when that started to pop up uh, on like Reddit and other Internet forums the the general strike thing had a subreddit at some point that was the October general strike. I don't remember what the exact subreddit was called, but there were a lot of people who were very sort of poo-pooing it. Oh, you aren't doing the legwork. You aren't doing the planning. And and we kind of come face to face at that point with 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 a very serious reality of the American workforce, which is that who's prepared to do that? Who? As organizers, as people who have organized and are organizing in workplaces, the average worker that I meet has no idea how to begin organizing. They don't know what social mapping is. They 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 don't know they don't know you know how to power map their workplace. They've never thought about escalation strategies. They're just mad about something. What they're used to being able to do is complain about it. There used to be, you know, like talk to a fellow worker at work and just sort of complain about work. And, and what we have to sort of do is move them beyond that. And so the IWW sort of model of, of talking to your fellow workers, bringing them and building an organizing committee, talking to people, educating, agitating, educating, organizing, agitating, educating, <laughs> organizing like that, that whole process exists because because a lot of us don't know what the hell we're doing. We've never done something like this before. We weren't taught how to do it. We aren't encouraged to do it for sure. So having people having people around who are willing to do that education is really important. So like whenever people are talking about a general strike, 
I would suggest that we probably shouldn't spend our time yelling at them about what a bad job they're doing as much as we should be engaging in the movement, the people who are interested in doing that and talking to them about it. What have you done? What are the steps you think are, are like, like we can take? What are we trying to accomplish here? All of those things are are like base questions that that we should ask. Yeah, we shouldn't like discourage the. It's like you got the right intention. Let me help you achieve that. You know, instead of uh, oh, you don't know what you're doing, like dumb kids. It has very old man get off my lawn energy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you, which I would know about. You you damn young labor people who have never organized. You zoomers, What's wrong with you. That's right. <laughs> Uh, that's 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 a uh, that's amazing. I love it. Uh, yeah, and you know, I would know about that energy because I got a big old lawn to tell kids to get off of, and the city. Um, anyway, and the city. That's right. <laughs> so it's hard. I, I, it's it's hard in a lot of ways. Like even when we're talking about, even when we are talking about strikes from John Deere workers to workers at the Kellogg plants. Uh, to IATSE, and I, I read somewhere online that it's not pronounced IATSE, so I, I apologize for those of you who may be in the IATSE. Uh, I, I don't know how you'd prefer I pronounce it, but that's that, that's how I've always known it, but I don't have a lot of IAT, IATSE unions locally that can correct me. So by all means, please let us know not how much you'd prefer a, it be Not pronounced. much of a film industry here anymore. No, no. Unfortunately. But... But I will say that when these organizations go on strike, we shouldn't poo-poo those either, right? We should be showing up to support them. And the sort of interesting thing, the trade-off that a lot of trade unions have taken in time is like the, the cost of labor peace. A lot of trade unions cross picket lines. A lot of trade unions... Um, will not honor a picket line. There are some notable exceptions. Teamsters, in general, I wouldn't say always, but the Teamsters around here in Michigan are very good at not crossing picket lines. The IBEW can sometimes be relied upon to not cross picket lines. Uh, we should we should stand in solidarity with those workers and refuse to cross picket lines. And and we need to we need to show up and support those workers. The IBEW was just engaged in a strike action. Well, it wasn't a strike action, but it was a workplace action, and the call went out. Do we have people who can show up to march in front of the boss's office to demand change uh, in that in that work environment? And we showed up. We got some fellow workers out. We got to wave the, the IWW flag, which was a hell of a good time. Got to engage in some good marching chants and engage in, in, in real solidarity, talking to people about what their issues are, what was going on. We learned what was happening in those places. We, we, we were there on the scene. People know us. We network with some people, talk to some people. Uh, hopefully we'll be reached out to if they have any further actions because that's, that's what we're here for is to help people to organize. We'd love for them to organize with the IWW, but hell, if you organize with UE, for example, uh, as was the case in, in this situation, uh, we're going to show up and throw down with you because that's, that is, that is, that is what we, that is what we're here to do. And we should be bringing that same energy to the idea of the general strike. Right. Mm. If if we have people who want to organize a general strike, which seems like it's like the long term wet dream of the IWW, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's something. That... <laughs> well, oh, I feel like it's. I think I found my new band name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but but it's but it's been out there for so long. We we have talked about general strikes. 
since before I was a member, since before I was born, I feel like we've been talking about and dreaming about the general strike, but it, it, it really hasn't come to fruition. And, and the, the question is why? And, and there are, there's like a confluence of factors that, that prevent it from happening, but none of those factors are going to be resolved if, if the IWW or its members kind of like put their nose up at the, at the, at the notion of it and sort of say, what, what, what do you and you, what, what do you and you non-organizers think you're doing over here? This isn't how you do a general strike. Yeah. And in the wise words of one of the few musicals I actually like, um, don't dream it, be it. Oh, Rocky Horror. I it see. Is that t- gotcha. It's that time of year. <laughs> it is. And uh, I don't remember that movie well enough to be able to quote it quite as well as you do. Are you a, are you a regular attendee of the Rocky Horror Picture Show? I have been, yes. I, I have dressed up and all that kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. good times. Yeah, sounds uh, like a lot of fun. Yeah, that kind of leads me, though, to uh, besides why, because we know why they're workers and we're, you know, we should stand with workers and all our issues. How do we show up? Is it just sign up for a picket and show up or are there other ways? I think showing up and showing up for the picket is is definitely a good idea. A lot of unions will put out a call for like community support and solidarity you can attempt to reach out to the local who is engaged and figure out who their strike captains are, if they're like well organized about it. Who are your strike captains? Who are who are the people that we need to talk to to coordinate support efforts? But there are a lot of other ways that you can support these efforts. There are a lot of uh, over the summer, for example, how was it this summer or last summer? I feel like I have lost complete track of time. <laughs> we will we'll, we'll do the time warp again. Oh no! <laughs> but regardless, you uh, forced the, it. <laughs> I did. I did. So there, there was a bricklayer strike in Ypsilant in Ann Arbor uh, over the last year. I don't remember when it was exactly, but the call went out for support, and it wasn't just people on the picket line, right? It is. We need firewood because it's going to get cold. Can we get firewood for for the mornings or the nights? Can we get food uh, to support to to support people on the picket line? Whether that's like giving them lunch or dinner or breakfast, showing up with fresh fruit or showing up with um, sandwiches. These are all these are all viable options to to providing mutual aid and support to our fellow work, workers who are out there on the line. If you can't show up to walk a picket line for two or four hours or longer, but you can help put together some sandwiches or buy some fruit to donate to, to the, to the effort. That is, that is something that you can often do to support those workers contribute to their strike fund. Mm -hmm. That's also another way that we can, that we can also support those workers. I'll, I'll I'll mention some more creative ways as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Drop it on me. What you got? Because I've been in a creative mood lately, so uh, sometimes things happen in the dark, you know? So, like, unless people were writing about what's happening and, like, presenting that in to the rest of, you know, the country or the world or whatever, no one would know that Kellogg's is on strike. Because if Kellogg's had its way, it would not tell anybody. It's like, oh, well, our, one of our factories is shut down, but uh, don't mention it. So you got to get out there. You got to write. Make some art. Art can do a lot. I know it sounds pretentious and maybe i'm a bit biased because i am an arty type um but like a good poster designed well hire a graphic designer or at least know a graphic designer can like you know really mobilize people to help out and support uh any way they can i mean wobbly history is full of art right and 
and and agitation and propaganda is definitely done in part through uh, through art. Before I became a wob, when I was when I was young, my introduction to the labor movement, my mother was part of like a bus drivers union, and so. I knew that she did a bunch of bowling with other people, but I didn't know that it was like a union bowling league until I was older. But like my first real introduction to to like the labor movement and labor in general was one of the one of the like rare times my mother decided to take a bunch of teenish teenish kids. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't know if I would take like very young kids, but I was in like my early teens to the Detroit Institute of Art, yeah. and they have that Diego uh, Rivera, Rivera um, mural there, the the labor mural there. It's been there forever now, uh, since since I think the 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 Fords rejected it or didn't love it, yeah. and and it's this it's this beautiful mural. And even as like even as a kid, a, a very young a very young person at least, you kind of look at that and and it and it just like oozes worker workers right it oozes this like this cold stance of the bosses overseeing workers and these just masses of workers who are clearly the biggest number in the mural they're everywhere they're doing everything while ominous overlookers kind of like overwatchers like watch them from behind or 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 just sort of stand off to the side doing doing nothing but monitoring output so these the, the these moments that 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 piece of art it's called the Detroit industry murals the Detroit industry murals that like that even as a even as a kid was probably one of my first real interactions with with this thing that we call the labor movement which is a whole conversation like the labor movement what the hell is it but but it, it was my first introduction to like to to worker to worker imagery and workers as a thing and that piece of art even as a kid really, really, really spoke to me. And I think that image has stayed with me for a long time. And I try to get down to the DIA just to kind of look at it every once in a while um, still. And it still awes me to this day. And I'm not saying that everything has to be a Diego Rivera uh, mural, <laughs> but, but like that art is, is incredible. And yeah, it's one of the ways that we communicate. I think it's a great idea. Also fun fact about that, about those murals, only one completed car in all of the murals. <laughs> I took art history. I know things like that. I what, what what what's the significance? Maybe I'm missing it. What's the significance? Uh, it's that oh, I forget what the significance was, but whatever. It, there's just one little red car. It's like barely painted in, and that's the only completed car in the whole thing. I don't know why I remember that out of my humanities class in high school, but that's what I remember. <laughs> so yeah, create something and get people motivated because like yeah, just hearing about it that's one thing, but like. Some good art can really move you to do something about it. Well, and, and and it's also the case that that if we aren't talking about it, it's, it's one of those it's one of those problems, right? Because we have we have organizing campaigns in the IPCIWW, but they're clandestine, like most organizing campaigns are, right? How do you how do you how do you talk about your organizing effort without without finding yourself on the receiving end of retaliation from your bosses. We we often don't want to announce our organizing campaigns before we are ready to really do something in the workplace. So how do we how do we sort of talk about labor? I I, I can talk all day about how to have an organizing conversation and how to how to social how to social map your workplace, how to power map your workplace, but that's 
That's not sexy. It's it's necessary. It's practical. It's important, but it's not, not exactly it's not, exciting. No, it's not what's driving anybody into the labor movement, right? That's that's not like that, yes, I love talking about organizing training. Let's let's let, let's do this. So we have to be talking about anything that's happening in labor and not just the unjust conditions, but the very inspiring stories of real worker power and showing people what real worker power is, is, is incredible. There might be some folks who say, you know, know, the the Kellogg's workers, you know, on strike, is that real worker power? Um, Yes. Yes, it definitely (laughs) is. But in being involved in that, some of the most incredible moments of my life, the moments that that have kept me doing this, despite the fact that organizing is exhausting and tiring and and frustrating in some moments. The thing that the the things that have often kept me doing this are the are like the wins, the times that that my fellow workers and I marched on the boss, and the boss gave us what we wanted. The times that that we did a direct action or we engaged in some way collectively, and you could feel it. You're with your fellow workers. You're there in the room. You've had a million one-on-one conversations with your boss and nothing ever happened. But you put 20 people in the room and all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. You were serious about that. It's very empowering. And it, and it, and it sticks with me. Yeah. Um, so in other words, go and join a picket line and uh, make some art. Join yeah. a picket line, make a picket sign, show up, go. support people, talk to people, get to know them, let them know where you're coming from, ask them why they're on the picket line, listen to their stories. Um, that's make that's, that's, that's all we want to do. At the picket we were last at, there were some good signs and there were some wordy signs. Get good. Don't be a Derek. And get better at making slogans. Hey, I we I have I have some good slogans once in a while. You gotta you gotta spit them out if you don't if you don't have a have a have a bunch of them. You know you're gonna have a few losers, but you know you get a couple <laughs> winners out of it. Speaking of, no, I was gonna say speaking of losers, but never mind. I was gonna talk about you, us. You, you know, well my my favorite my favorite slogan that came out like slogan or catchphrase in the last year. We call our strategic organizing. So our the IPCIWW has a strategic organizing committee. At, don't shake your head at me. I know where this is going. It's right. So we we have a strategic we have a strategic organizing committee and an agitation propaganda committee, and we meet at the same time. Right. We have a sort of collaborative hour to hour and a half long meeting, and and we have come to call these meetings. What do we call them, Jason? We call them soap. That's right. That's right. Soap. And 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 the phrase that I have come to love so much is uh, is you forgot your own slogan. <laughs> uh, hold Real on, memorable no. slogan. I'm, then I'm, I'm, uh, shut up, shut up, Jason. <laughs> uh, it is soap keeps a worker clean. I like that. I like that phrase. Yeah, yeah. I don't because I'm naturally a dirty boy. So if Whoa. I'm if I'm any of the peanuts, I'm Pigpen. Oh, well, hey, Pigpen. Actually, I don't know peanuts well enough to tell you. The Pigpen <laughs> is the filthy one who carries the blanket everywhere and always has Ly- that gross cloud. Linus carries the blanket everywhere. Pigpen has the gross cloud. Well, You're thank di- you different for peanuts. clarifying that. To wrap that conversation up and go to the next one, I can't think of a better transition than that. What's the What, what a segue. What a segue there. Um, no, nobody really sent us any scary worker stories. So we're, Derek and I are just going to uh, tell each other some, um, some of our bad customer and or boss uh, stories right now. And so I'm going to cue the... Creepy sounds. 
and the uh, fire. Ooh, and I'll put those in a post. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Great. And, uh huh. Great. I'll let Derek tell me tell me a story. Tell me a scary story, Derek. Uh, so I feel like my I feel like I feel like my stories are oft are often tame compared to some of the things that I that I definitely know are out there. I will say that that I've had some moments like some real crystal clear moments for me about who the enemy is, uh, and and I, I I had a manager once. I when I was in my early twenties, I was the manager of a gas station. I was one of these like clear eyed. Um, like, like early, early twenties managers at a gas station making 24 K a year, the most money I'd ever made in my life. And I thought <laughs> to myself, yes, I've worked here for five years and I can finally, like, I can finally stand up for workers. I can make real change in my workplace. I hadn't yet been radicalized by, uh, everything. Um, so <laughs> I really, I really thought that I could make change from within. So, I, I I was a manager. I tried to be very flexible about schedules. I listened to workers' needs. I did the best that I could. Um, but ultimately, most managers are are just tools for upper management to carry out their will. And I was going through a hiring phase once, and we we had a number of candidates. And I had this one candidate who came through, and she was she was great. She was she was awesome. She had years of experience. She. She seemed to know what she was talking about. She wasn't enthusiastic about being a cashier because who the hell is? <laughs> but but she definitely seemed like she would be reliable was the impression that I got from her. So I I wanted to hire her. And we're going through the applications. And by we, I mean myself and my regional manager in the back office. And we're going through all the applications. And she's asking me about the various applications. And, and she says, so who do you want to hire? And I pointed out to this, to this worker who was, you know, my number one pick. And she said, oh, you can't hire her. And I said, why? And she replied, she's pregnant. In three months, she's going to have a kid. You're going to have to hire someone to replace her or have people work extra hours. And apart from the fact that it was 100% illegal for her to say, I cannot hire this worker, like that was the only criteria that she used. You can't hire, you can't hire a pregnant worker because it's an inconvenience to, to our business. And she pushed really hard on me. Like we, we had a very long conversation about whether or not I could ha hire that worker. And at the time I didn't, you know, I, I, I'd been in college. I'd, I, I'd, you know, I'd read a bunch of, a bunch of pieces of, you know, I'd read Marx at that point. I'd, I'd read through other, other various radical literature, but I was not prepared to be confronted like this in my workplace with such a, with such a very clear black and white ethical conundrum. Uh, long story short is I did hire that worker, um, <laughs> much to the chagrin of my, of, of my regional manager. And she, she didn't stop me. I, I, I would like to say that had she tried to, I would have like walked out or I would have like complained to the, to the Michigan equal opportunity, uh, the commission on equal opportunity, but I, I did end up hiring her. I didn't catch very much flack for it. Uh, and you know what? It was a, it was a great fucking hire, but that moment was so crystallizing to me about like just the sort of evil practices of, of, of capitalism, um, of, of these people who have internalized their own hierarchy, who, who, who will tell you, you cannot hire a pregnant woman who absolutely needs a job as much as anybody else. Uh, because in three months she's going to inconvenience you. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
my, what my you got? What you got, Jason? You've got, you've got. I mean, that 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 that's kind of a that's kind of like a horror story from Derek's life. Go ahead, drop it on us, Jason. What do you got? Okay, so I, I was just gonna tell a story about the first time I got robbed. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> my my stories are I have no lesson other than the world is chaotic. Um, so you know, maybe live your life now. So I worked for a very long time at a Seven Eleven um, on midnights because I'm a midnight guy. Um, I think for seven years altogether. Anyway, uh, when I first got hired, my friend who worked there who got me the job, because that's the only way I've ever gotten most of my jobs is I've had to know somebody. And uh, he was like, you know, don't worry. We only get robbed every four years. <laughs> wow. So I didn't have to think about it. Cut to four years later and I got rehired and I'm going to go, hey, it's been about four years. When was the last I- time you were robbed? <laughs> Uh-oh. And sure enough, like three months into being back at 7-Eleven, a guy comes in. Well, I had to go dump the mop out in the parking lot because my mop sink was clogged. So I'm out in the parking lot dumping the dirty mop water. And he comes up and he asks the same question a lot of people ask for some reason because they don't know that 7-Eleven is 24 hours or at least it used to be. And he comes up. He's like, hey, you guys open? And I'm like, unless the power goes out or I get shot, then we don't close it. And then he pulled out a gun. So I was really regretting my choice of joke at that point. Um, and he leads me inside with the gun. Um, we get inside. I go behind the counter. Uh, I like pull the drawers out because he'd take the drawers out and just let him start kind of putting it together and putting his pockets. And then my like clerk instincts took over, and I was like, "Hey, you want a bag with that?" <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of money. I didn't know. As I go to reach for the bag, he's like, "Man, don't be a smartass! I will shoot you, mother!" And I, like, I had the bag <laughs> in my hand. He's like, "Oh, you were you were serious?" Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, thanks. And the, so he took the bag, he took the money, and he's, he was leaving. He's like, man, maybe I'll come back, give you a tip. And he left. <laughs> so cut to the cops coming in and my owner. And um, they come in. They're like, they're dusting for prints for some reason, as if three million people haven't touched the front door. Uh, and like, Did they you know, really they, dust for prints? Oh, they brought in dogs. They're Livonia cops. They were bored as hell. So like, wow. they just they got out all the toys, right? So the cops, you know, they were taking my stuff and they're like, what do you look like? Blah, blah, blah. They get to the part uh, where they're um, telling him what happened. And I was like, oh, and he said he'd give me a tip. So if you catch him, I want my tip. As a joke, right? I'm a funny guy. I made a joke. No. Nobody laughed. Nobody laughed. Not a single chuckle. And I'm like, I'm the guy who had a gun on my face. I can make a joke. Come on. They didn't like that. No, I mean all, all all you risk at that point is giving the cops a reason to like to investigate you as well. In that <laughs> yeah, well, luckily they caught that guy because he was a couple of weeks later robbing a ga- uh, GameStop, and um, <laughs> his girlfriend was his getaway driver, and she wanted to break up with him, so she left him at the GameStop and called the cops. Wow! Talk about getting dumped. Wow, that's in that that's incredible. Also, this was obviously a time when GameStop was still making money. Yes. Wow. <laughs> they still have money in the drawer. Oh. That that is that is uh, a story. I have I worked at a gas station for I worked in I worked for a gas station chain uh, in Flint, Michigan, for the Flint, Michigan area. So mostly in the suburbs, actually. But that and that that just for everyone who's ever heard this phrase, I'm from Flint. You're probably talking to someone who grew up in the suburbs of Flint. Just yeah, let's well, just let's just be clear about that. Not always. For, I'm but, from Detroit, but so yeah. Uh, but you know, nobody knows where Flushing or Davison are. So regardless, so I worked for the sketching chain and in that time, 
I was never I was never robbed. I was robbed three times in two months. Wow. Hey, that's that's uh th- that feels That's one of my lighthearted stories. <laughs> well, it's a hell of a world out there and and I've experienced it. You have. You've experienced uh, quite a bit more of it in some cases than I certainly have. Um, sometimes, you know, I've heard some of your stories, Jason, and and they're, you know, you, you said when we started talking about this, like, let's tell some some work horror stories. And I'm like, 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 like the time that my bosses said that you all need to come in to do mandatory training on your lunch hour and not get paid for it. And, 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 and you're like, no, I mean getting held up at gunpoint and i'm just like shit no i don't have anything like it that. was like usain bolt came up and was like hey want to go for a run <laughs> that's that's right yeah okay and then basically doesn't matter if i'm running that full pace i'm actually just jogging so that's great <laughs> well those are some spooky work stories great way to build solidarity is to be like look work sucks doesn't it yeah that's always the first step is just like you said earlier complaining about work and then going well what do we do about it and if people want to share any of their experiences, if you want to talk about your bad boss experiences, your bad customer experiences, uh, we are all ears. We want to hear about them. Yeah. Uh, there might not be spooky sound effects, but we want to hear about them. I mean, we could probably make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Give more work my way. <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> Sorry. You're right. Sorry. Maybe we won't have them. We'll see. We'll see, how J- we'll see what Jason's workload that week is. All right. I think that that about does it. Um Hopefully you can get out to a picket line soon and we can build our way to a much stronger uh, worker solidarity. Yeah. Thanks for joining me, Derek. Always happy to be here, Jason. Bye. And that's the show, folks. It was recorded and edited by me, fellow worker Jason. The intro and outro song are also by me, fellow worker Jason. If you'd like to join the IWW and be part of the One Big Union, go to iww.org join. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us, you can always email us at ypsilanti at iww.org. And until next time, an injury to one is an injury to all. Uh, so I think, I've used I think several times now, so I'm going <laughs> to rewind. So, I almost said it again. I'm gonna rewind. <laughs> <laughs> you made me very self-conscious of the word, I, of the phrase. I think.